Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. You know what I mean? It just doesn't compute, you know? The law is the law. Peter, this is in our hands. I mean, it really is. People were there. We will continue to raise our voices. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. <laughs> I'm back in Cork since uh, Friday. And I've had, I don't know how many people accuse me of bringing the rain back with me. Look, it'll be gone again. And, um, and uh, what's his name from Carlo Weather? Alan was saying on Twitter late last week that he can see a possible return to some of the hot stuff in the second half of August. Maybe not as hot, but a nice run of a few days of decent weather. Which, when I was on holidays, i got to tell you, we had some scorchers. I was thrilled with myself to be in Ireland and enjoying temperatures like you were in... Spain or Portugal. It was fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Good morning. Uh, well done and thank you to Fiona for the last couple of weeks. I've been almost completely out of the loop, just grabbing a few bits and pieces of numbers and stats and things here and there, keeping half an eye to the Olympics, as you would, wouldn't you just? But we're back in harness and back on the show from today. I've got a statistic for you at some stage this morning. I, I dug it out of the paper this morning and I said, how much? How much? How much did you take out of the ATM last year? Now, bearing in mind, right, that we live in a cashless or virtually cashless society or those who would love to see us go completely cashless. I'm not one of them, by the way. How much did you actually take out of the drink link last year? How much did you take out of the hole in the wall? Just just have a think, maybe in the last 12 months. How much did you take out of the hole in the wall? There's a stat in the papers this morning and I went, what? How much? Anyway, good morning to you. 1850-715-996. And to first things first and back in Skibbereen yesterday, as you can imagine, great celebration. Now, not the great celebration that you would love to have had because of all this COVID, we've had to change the way we celebrate. Can you imagine? Skibbereen would have had a population of half a million last evening when those lads were coming back with their medals from the Olympic Games. But as it 
as it happened, there was only a handful of people in the rowing club, friends and families and club officials and all of that. Even the media were kept at a distance, particularly outside from the most part. Uh, some of the accredited media did get in for a small bit, but it was a really small event, but a really big occasion. And of course, among them, doing his bit, our man Trevor Welsh from The Score. Well, guys, great to see you. Um, great reception for you here today in your hometown. Yeah, yeah, it's been brilliant. You know, really nice to see everyone from the club. Um, we haven't got a chance yet, so, yeah, it's our first first time seeing everyone, so it's been really nice. Yeah, I guess it's different celebrating in front of your hometown. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we got to see a few people last night, but... Um, you know, all our all our friends and coaches and everyone involved in the club were here today. So it was obviously really good to, you know, give back a bit to them and to celebrate with them because it's all our success. And, yeah. yeah. Can I just ask you, put it into context, I mean, what it means for, you know, an amateur sport to win um, gold medals, you know, in the Olympics. They're not easy handed out a small country like ours. Uh, for an amateur sport, just put it into context what it means for rowing in Ireland. Um... Yeah, it's it's been it's been brilliant. I think you know while we were away, I think it was hard to grasp like the 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 importance of it and stuff. But now we're back, just you know seeing all the all the kids being delighted and everyone you know crying and everything. It's it's I think it's really hit home how you know how happy everyone is and hopefully you know people can take a bit of inspiration and you know go after go after their dream if, um, congratulations um, you know what, what was it like uh, out there and uh, you know to, to come back with medals is outstanding isn't it yeah definitely I think everyone did really well the whole um, Rowing Ireland team and it was a really good buzz about the place and um, really excited for the future and um, I think everyone really performed well so I, it's been a really good Olympics I suppose starting in 2016 just the progress that everyone's made it's been a real it's real um Real incentive for the future, I suppose. Well, Christopher, um, the, the lads at home, great reception here today. Brilliant reception. Look, uh, what this means for uh, the people of Ireland, uh, the people of West Cork, but what you see here today, the people of Skibbereen. Uh, Skibbereen has been on a high since 2016 in Rio, and now today in 2021, um, you know, it's going from strength to strength. Uh, the, the, everyone's buzzing. The positivity around the place is incredible, and it's, it's down to, you know, not just um, uh, Fintan and Paul, but the whole team, uh, Aoife, um, uh, as well as that, Emily as well, uh, Gary and Lydia. It's it's absolutely phenomenal what they've done for, for this whole region. So um, long may it continue, and we look forward to Paris now in 2024, 20, uh, I think it is, yeah. 20, 23, is it? Or 24, it is. Yeah. Three years' time. I think there's only three Cork people with a gold medal. Dr. Mm-hmm. Pat Callahan, 93 years ago, and all the lads. So obviously, as a local, you're very proud of what the lads achieved. Oh, my God, it's wonderful. Just a super achievement. We're all very, very proud of them. And the whole rowing club. They're very supportive. There's a huge team behind them. Mm. We're very proud of all they've done. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully the lads will uh, get a nice snap with them here. Mm. It'd be great, wouldn't it? Part of history. Oh, yes. We're dying to get a look at them. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't often we famous people around here. Tishok, great seeing Skibbereen. It's uh, some days, isn't it? Uh, it's fantastic, yeah. And it's just wonderful to, to meet the club members, officers, the Olympians, uh, the six of them, uh, who've brought great glory to the country. But it's all, always wonderful to come back to where it all began for them and to get a sense of the ethos, the values that instill, are instilled in them from an early age. And that's why they're Olympians. And I think the, the club here deserve great credit. The community deserve great credit. And as I said to them tonight, the young Olympians
champions themselves uh, you know they're, they're so dignified uh, humble in their success uh, and uh, have great self-belief and um, an ethos of hard work and uh, so it's, it's a lovely evening yeah, and being from Cork, of course, Michal, like the thing is, we've only three gold medals in Cork. I mean, they're hard fought for, and you know, the first guy ever was Dr. Paddock Allen, 93 right. years ago. So two more Cork guys with gold medals, something else, isn't it? It is fantastic, yeah, it's fantastic. And there was a Kerry reporter with us at the start tonight <laughs> who has renounced his Kerry citizenship, Kieran McCarthy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it, it's genuinely, look, yeah, it's it's incredible, really, when you think about it, you know. Um, three Olympic medals here in one, one town in Skibbereen. Uh, and also, we didn't, like, we had athletes, um, you know, Healy and others coming. Uh, there was three alone now from Eglantine School participated in the Olympics. Um, mm. So it's, it's. I think our performances are improving, and I think it's our love of sport, and it's great to see so many disciplines represented now at the Olympics. Uh, and I think it all augurs well. The important thing, though, is the, the young people that came along this evening to watch their heroes. Yeah. And you can sense that this club is going to grow. You can sense that rowing as a discipline, as a sport, will grow because of the success of our Olympians in Tokyo. Mm. Uh, and that's what it's all about. And it's, I think, building a healthier lifestyle uh, for our, our, our younger generations to come. It's a pity the, the COVID like that because everybody will be out here to celebrate. Well, with I, was the here, I was here five years ago with the, the silver medal reception. Yeah. It was a great, great night. It was huge crowds. And, of course, COVID is restricting the capacity to celebrate like we normally would. But it, when the history books were written, it will be known as the COVID Olympics. Yeah. Uh, and history will have been made by Skibbereen Roars in terms of the first women's team to win um, a rowing medal and um, and of course uh, the gold the two, mm. gold, two gold medals so yeah just before you leave us because I know you're dying to get away you're here all day um, the lads won the one a silver medal the, the catchphrase known all over the world was pull like dogs I suppose to go one forward and we like pull like horses I suppose <laughs> something like that <laughs> yeah. great to see me all take care all of thanks for taking time out thanks Taoiseach Michal Martin, uh, Christopher O'Sullivan, TD, Aoife Casey, uh, a local that he just happened to meet and grab, and that's what you do. And of course, gold medal winner Fintan McCarthy speaking with Trevor Welsh last evening at uh, Skimmerine Rowing Club. Uh, thanks to Trevor for doing that for us last evening. 1850-715-996. We'll have three more categories to announce the shortlist in the Best of Cork Awards. Lad started it this morning. I'll be doing three more this morning. I'll be giving you the finalists for best burger, best coffee and best barber between now and midday. And I promise you that stat about how much we took out of ATMs last year. You'll go, what? And we all using our cards at the same time? Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Thanks for all your nominations in the Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards. Now stay listening to hear who's made the shortlist. We're announcing the finalists all day today. Then get voting for your favourite. From 8pm tonight. The best of Cork Awards with localheroes.ie. Find trusted local plumbers, electricians, locksmiths, and more with a 12 month guarantee backed by Board Gosh Energy. Only on Cork's 96 FM, the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96 FM. First, more Olympics news this morning from Kelly Harrington, the boxer. I was in that particular part of Dublin last weekend, just driving through, and you could see the posters up 
wishing her well. And she comes across in her interviews as a lovely young woman. Her catchphrase is Hakuna Matata. No worries. She battered her opponent overnight. Five, nothing, five, nothing, five. She battered her uh, to get into the semi-final. So she's guaranteed at least a bronze medal. And she will will fight for a silver uh, later in the week. I think Thursday morning around 6am. So all eyes will be on that particular fight. Unlucky for the other lad, the other Irish lad who won bronze. And then in that jump, that celebration jump that he did in the ring, didn't he land on his ankle and turn his ankle and he's out. So he just gets a bronze medal. Doesn't get a chance. He won't be able to box for silver. But all eyes now will be on Kelly Harrington, of course, to see can she do again what Katie Taylor did in 2012. Wouldn't it be great if she did? And I know the area she comes from in Dublin, full of the grandest people, salt of the earth, and she's a hospital worker. She's a really popular young woman. She'll have all of the Irish eyes on her. Six o'clock on uh, Thursday morning, our time. 1857-15996. It's a busy time for doctors in Bantry because Bantry Hospital is pretty much closed to them at the moment in terms of referring patients on. Dr. Paula Sullivan, good morning to you. Hello there. What? You, you tweeted last evening that you'd had a very, very d- distressing day, I guess. What's happening? Well, basically, um, uh, this weekend is normally very busy uh, for GPs in out-of-hours anyway with Bank Holiday Weekend. But unfortunately, because Bantry Hospital is closed to admissions, it's it's basically um, extreme, became extremely difficult. It, it reminds me of, if you remember these westerns where the wagon train is, the Native Americans are, are closing and the wagon train and the cavalry are no longer to be seen. Um, it, we were literally one step from disaster and that was my feeling that I shared with all my colleagues who were on with me. Um, we Bantry Hospital is currently closed to all medical admissions now. Mm. The, that means that anybody who has had a stroke or anybody who's got pneumonia or unwell um, um, for whatever sort has to be sent to CUH and they can only go through CUH emergency department. Mm. They can't be admitted directly into CUH. And doctor, why uh, is the hospital closed in admissions like that? Unfortunately, they do not have uh, the safe number of consultants to run a safe service. Normally, they should have five consultants. Now, historically, they only had four. Uh, One post was never filled. Um, They had one post which uh, was lost due to retirement, which left three. And then they had uh, a recent retirement, which left two. And then one consultant is currently off sick, which leaves one consultant literally standing. And unfortunately, you can't have a consultant running 24 hours a day, seven days a week, mm-hmm. ad infinitum, running a very busy 100-bed hospital. So they have taken the decision to suspend admissions. However, we were not made aware of that. And we only found out from patients, from word of mouth from people being turned away from the hospital, being told to go to GP or that patients that who had admissions cancelled and we had to send on to CUH. Uh, so it is, a, to say it's a very unsatisfactory situation is an understatement. How was it allowed to get to this? 
That is a good question. And I would be asking the HSC, well, basically for an explanation. Um, you know, to lose one consultant is unfortunate. To lose two and not have planning in place, well, you know, I have to ask. Um, historically, Bantry has always been the, well, I wouldn't say the the the, the child uh, that, that that nobody looks after. Um, the HSE, the poor relation. The poor relation is mm. the best the, the description you can you can make of it. Um, uh, a number of years ago, they they removed the surgical admissions, uh, the acute surgical admissions, um, but they said that uh, medical admissions, twenty four medical admissions would wouldn't be touched. But now we feel that they are looking at that to remove twenty four hour access um, to Bantry General Hospital and. Certainly, they they have been, for all the words, they they have been defunding and uh, denuding mm-hmm. it of services. And I think you wouldn't be labelled a conspiracy theorist for suggesting that they're trying to close it by stealth, would you, Paul? I'll put it like that. I look, I look, look at our experience. I look at how things are progressing, and I just say it as it is. Now. Um, if they if they come out and say they're not going to, to remove the 24-hour access uh, for medical admissions, I'll say, fine, I'll take you at your word. But unfortunately, myself and my colleagues, we have are currently now dealing with a situation where we can't send any of our patients in at all, and they have to be sent to CUH. Uh, whereas before, we could admit people for investigation, people who are very unwell now, all we can do is ring the ambulance, give them a letter and wish them the best of luck. You can't overstate, can you, Dr. O'Sullivan, the importance of a hospital in a vast geographical area like West Cork? Yes. Um, currently, Bantry to, to Bantry CUH is one and a half hours on a good day on a clear road. We have patients who live at the tip of the Sheepshead Peninsula or in Castletown Bear or in Mizzen, and you can add on a good hour on top of that. If you don't, if you have to take two and a half hours to get to a hospital, then you're going to have bad outcomes for people, especially for people who have strokes, where they've only a limited window where that stroke can be reversed. Like our paramedics and our advanced paramedics are among the best in the game, Paul, but they're not that good. Uh, unfortunately, they they can only do what they can, yes, and yes. they essentially geography and the time taken to get to CUH. And I'm not saying getting to CUH and being seen; it, it's literally getting to CUH to the door. Yeah, and then you then got to get in. Exactly, and yeah. all this as well puts extra pressure on our colleagues in CUH. Normally, Bantry could have up to 30 admissions in a day, um, but they would see that amount of patients anyway. Now, you can imagine all those patients suddenly having to decamp from Bantry mm. to arrive at CUH to the A&E, and that's on top of their normal, very, very busy admission mm. and workload in CUH itself. So, so bring this down to, to brass tags. I'm on holidays in Bantry, and we wake up and the wife is unwell, and mm-hmm. she's caught for breath, and she, she feels very unwell. And I bring her to your surgery and you see her and you yeah. believe she needs to be seen in hospital and checked out. 
Exactly. We've got to come up the road to Cork. You, you can't send her across the road to a well-equipped hospital like Pantry. No. You all, I would advise you to pop her in the back seat. Here's a letter from me to the hospital and, as they say in, in the films, via con Dios. That's it. And you can hit the road, Jack, and best of luck to you. Oh, my God. And, uh, you know, it, it will take a good an hour and a half with the roads in West Cork to, to get to CUH. And, you know, that's all you can do. We are literally at that stage where it's almost as if Bantry Hospital doesn't exist anymore. This will cost lives. It will. And the longer the situation goes on, the greater the risk. Currently, we, we, we have wrong Bantry Hospital. They cannot tell us at the moment if they're open for admissions today. I believe there is some meeting going on where they'll have further information But when that meeting ends. But at the moment, they've said they're not taking admissions. As I said, I have patients who have had admissions for fairly serious conditions um, cancelled. Now, these conditions would be, they wouldn't be life-threatening, but they would need to be investigated. Yeah. Um, and now they had to be sent by ambulance, CUH, to sit in A&E and hope for the best. It's, it, it must be infuriating to have to sit in front of someone and say, you need to, there's a perfectly well-equipped 100-bed hospital across the road, which you can't go. I could throw a stone and hit the window in Bantry Hospital from my office. And that's how close we are. But it might as well be on the moon. You know, what are your local so, politicians saying or doing, Paul? Well, uh, Michael Collins has been a, a huge help to us. He's been every day um, publicising this. He's been on Facebook. He's been ringing around the, 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 the health minister. So he's been a great help and he always has been a great help. To has people. Stephen Donnelly had anything to say? Not that we're aware of. It's, I think they're all in holidays. So, I mean, we... As always here in Bantry, we feel we're out in the limb, we're, we're the forgotten ones, as if we don't exist. And we're, you know, it's, the problem is, if this is allowed to continue, then South Dock in West Cork is being called into question. I guarantee you something will happen, some disaster will happen, because we were never meant to be the only emergency service. We, mm. we, we're GPs, we're not meant to be, uh, you know, dealing with life and limb, death situations. And it would then mean that we, 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 we are going to be at the cold face in those situations and really something will happen. And right. Are you around long enough, Paul? I suspect you are to remember the Higgins report. Yes. And yes. John Higgins had great plans for Bantry Hospital. As I say, paper is cheap. Yeah. Nothing you know, happened out of it, though. No. And I think really we're, uh, essentially, it, it, you can write as many reports as, as you want, but until you see either funding or staffing or or, or, or those plans being made flesh, then really it, it's, it's all hot air, okay. really. And at the moment, Bantry Hospital is non-operative. GPs are literally out on a limb. And we don't know what's going to happen. And people are frightened, no I think. I am frightened for people. Um, I don't want to come up to people 
this evening if I'm called out and say there's nothing I can do for you. You need to go to hospital. And, you know, there's the road and good luck. Paul, and I know as a doctor, that's the last thing you ever want to say to anybody. Listen, thank you very much for being with us this morning. Dr. Paul O'Sullivan, GP uh, from Bantry. The hospital is 50 yards or as he says himself, he could throw a stone and break a window in the hospital and he has to send people up the road to Cork because they don't have enough consultants. They've left it go from five down to one. And now they can't open the hospital. It must be so worrying for the locals down there, says Case, the chances of survival for something like a heart attack are much less when you have such a journey. Anne says, good morning. Government are an absolute disgrace to the people of West Cork, the way Bantry Hospital is treated. They know the situation. The silence says a lot. If Bantry Hospital was in Court McSherry or in the city, it would be sorted long ago. Michael Collins is the only politician fighting for Bantry. It's so unfair to us what's happening in Bantry, as well as the staff shortage that's already there. People are now leaving due to the extra stress. Why can we not be told straight out what is happening? So many of us had to travel all the way to CUH this weekend for minor reasons than putting an ER that's already under stress under more stress. It's one we'll follow. I know that Dr. Laura Cullen was on the show last week and she tweeted uh, yesterday, I just put down the hardest day I've ever had on call in South Dock. Our out-of-hours GP care model was already under huge strain in West Cork. If Bantry General can't get back up and running, our fear, I fear our fragile system will fall like dominoes. And people who could change it will have sat back on their arses and watched. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96 FM. All the biggest tunes from your favourite artists every afternoon. Hey, it's me, Justin Bieber. Hi, this is Billie Eilish. What's happening, everybody? It's Tom Gwennon. I'm also giving you the chance to win amazing prizes. Hey! <laughs> the world's biggest stars on for a chat, Matt Damon. You're in one of my favourite places in the world. You guys gave me a better lockdown, believe me. I, we felt so lucky to be there. So whether you're at work or on the road road tripping. We started... Um, in Middleton and we went to Left for a couple of nights and now we're down to Ayes. I've got your afternoons in Cork sorted. Let me show you what it's all about. Check it out. Simon Murdoch, midday to 4pm on Cork's 96FM. Good morning to a friend of the show, Audrey from Fleet and Kecker Bar in Hamburg, but originally of course of Crosshaven stock. And you're either here or you're coming here soon. Audrey, for a visit home, your first one in Yonks. Great. That's great. She's wondering, though, if anybody has a prayer bead or would say an old rosary for the weather so that when she lands back in lovely Crosser, it'll be lovely Crosser. Uh, and that the weather will be kind because it ain't so kind this morning and doesn't look so kind for the rest of this week. But what I was saying earlier, and he hasn't come back to it, but I know he will. Alan O'Reilly from Carla Weather was tweeting uh, late last week as the weather was breaking, he was tweeting that his far away distant modelling and the stuff he looks at, you couldn't, I'll tell you something, he's got some brain on him to where he can analyse it, but he sees a possibility of a return of some of the good stuff 
after about the 11th or 12th of August. Now, he said he can't really predict until we get closer and certain graphs start to come together and converge and then he'll make a prediction. But remember, he was spot on with the last uh, heat wave. Absolutely spot on. And he called that quite a few days out. So we've come to rely on Alan a lot. And he's saying that there's a distinct possibility that we get some really nice stuff back for the second half. But wouldn't it be great, lads? Wouldn't it be great? And here's hopefully it'll come back for Audrey as she comes home for a long-awaited and overdue visit to Crosshaven. A lot of people met wondering, am I going to mention the Silver Key Bar video? Ah, let's. I saw it. I got it to my phone on Saturday or whatever. And I looked at it and I just went, oh, Tony, Tony, Tony. I know the Silver Key well. You know, I used to have a point there with my dad got me good to. I know it very well. And I just said, Tony, Tony. He's apologised. He said he was speaking out of turn. He'd had some drink taken and all of that. Whether it makes it any different, I don't know. A lot of people were very angry about that video over the weekend. Uh, He's not doing anything illegal. He's only claiming what he's entitled to. But the video just didn't look good. It just did not look good. And speaking of the amount of money involved, I mean, when you have children who can't get speech and language therapy and you can't get kids who can't even get school places and I guarantee you come the return to school in early September we'll have people here wondering where's my place on the bus for my child and we're told there's no money for that they seem to be shoveling an awful lot of money into the pubs and have been shoveling it in there for an awful long time but I just looked at that video the weekend and Tony Tony Tony, Tony. The Corks 96 FM Best of Cork Awards. With localheroes.ie. Find trusted local plumbers, electricians, locksmiths, and more with a 12 month guarantee backed by Board Gosh Energy. Right, for the past few weeks then, you've been nominating all sorts of places and all sorts of services that are the best in Cork. And now it's time to find out who's made the shortlists. And we're revealing them today. The shortlists for the Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards. And then the voting opens tonight at 8 on 96FM.ie. I have three categories to give you this morning. Uh, It's the Best of Cork Awards with localheroes.ie. Find trusted local plumbers, electricians, locksmiths and more with a 12-month guarantee all backed by Borgash Energy on Cork's 96FM. This hour, we're giving you the nominees for Best Burger. Are you listening? The nominees for the award Best Burger, Son of a Bun, Bunsen, West Cork Burger, Cockbull and Decent Munch. They are our five shortlist nominees. Son of a Bun, Bunsen, West Cork Burger, Cockbow, and Decent Munch. You want to vote for your favourite? You can do it from tonight at 8 at 96fm.ie. I'll have another set of nominations in the next hour. It's the Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards 2021. John wants to know why the VFI haven't made a statement following that video over the weekend. They're under no obligation 
unfortunately, John. That is the truth of it. I think the examiner was reporting that they asked them for a statement, but one was not forthcoming. But they're, none, they're under no obligation, unfortunately. 1850 715 A lot of stuff is reopening. Uh, we can now go indoors for a pint uh, and a bite to eat if you have your vaccination pass and all of that kind of thing. Uh, but you still can't send your children to a dance class. I didn't realise this was still going on. Sinead Murphy, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Sinead is Thank principal of... Delighted to do so. Principal of Cork School of Dance. We, we've spoken before. You're also vice president of the Irish Ballet Teachers Association. Sinead, yeah. I didn't realise classes weren't back yet. Yeah, no, we're still not back. Well, no, we are in a way. So we are allowed um, open with individual training, but that is not um, a suitable solution, I guess, for every teacher because um, many teachers and many schools can't open their schools under this guidance. If they're a rental client in an independent venue, the venue management references the guidance on gov.ie, which states no indoor group training, exercise or dance class. So individual training isn't much help for for many of our teachers. You know, so on the 28th of May, we got the good news that we would be able to resume our dance classes, drama, singing, all the performing arts subjects in um, pods of up to six from the 5th of July. Mm. And then that went by the wayside, unfortunately, on the 29th of June, when Antisha announced that what was to reopen on the 5th of July was going to be paused. And we've mm. heard nothing since. Because we know, all thought that was just pubs, didn't we? Yeah, I think most people just thought it was indoor dining pubs and maybe not the in the the extra attendance at weddings and stuff like that, but it also included indoor activities. And then on the 10th of July, of course, indoor summer camps for kids went by the wayside as well. So, you know, the children are really, in, in my opinion, the children are the ones who are really suffering now and unable to attend their their dance classes, their drama, all their performing arts subjects and indoor activities, you know. And Re- like, remind me I, again I, briefly, yeah. um, Sinead, because it's a long time since either of my kids were doing dance classes. But yeah. at the same time, many of my friends would have kids going to dance classes. About yeah. how many children broadly across Cork would be attending or want to attend a weekly dance class? Oh, my goodness. We're, I know it sounds like a, a very, very large number, but in the whole of the county, we could be talking 4,000, 5,000 children. Right. Right. And I do realise that sounds like such an, a large number of children to be moving from a dance class to another activity. So it does include yeah. a lot of social interaction. And, and that's where the public that. health people get and worried. I'm, and I guess that's where they're getting worried. But, you know, we, like everybody else, we've played our part. You know, we closed our doors since on the 11th of March, 2020. We were able to reopen um, briefly last summer, which was great for the kids who weren't gone on holidays and stuff. And then we resumed our, or we reopened kind of fully then really in September in pods of up to six. But then we all closed our doors on the 6th of of October. And for with a window of maybe two weeks in December, some teachers were able to go back when restrictions eased, but we've been closed since. So, you know, without sounding disrespectful to anybody, I don't think um, the public health officials can blame dance teachers and dance schools, drama teachers for the increase in the numbers at the moment of the Delta variant because we haven't been open. The kids haven't been attending indoor classes. You you also took to social media. Like you say, you're not very active on social media, but you did take to it on this one. You said there's a a real anomaly there now in that 
children can get into a pub with their parents, but they can't go for a, a dance class. I know, and I don't mean to sound disrespectful when I say that, but, you know, if a parent so wish, they can bring their children into a pub setting, have their dinner, but I can't bring 12 of them into a large studio 10 metres by 10 metres in their pods of um, two metres with space between each pod because I call it a dance class. I can't do that, but they can have their dinner in a pub setting. Uh, it's sort of it, the discrepancy there just doesn't make make sense really yeah like in your premises now in in your studio how how many kids can you bring in to a class under social media or sorry, say so, social distancing well you know the the very large studio in in the Firk and crane um you know where the, the auditorium is yeah. where the seats retract so i mean that's i think that's like 10 meters by 10 meters so you know we could put 12 16 children in there um, very, very socially distant, very safe. Can you ventilate it? Yeah. And there's other studios in, in the venue as well where there are windows that can be open, doors open. Um, I know several dance studios all around the country are improving their ventilation. They're at their own expense. They're buying CO2 monitors and everything to make sure that the kids, when they do return to their classes, will be in a safe environment. But because I call it a class, I can't do it. Yeah. You know, so there is quite, you know, I mean, we've received letters from Minister Catherine Martin's office, which is great. You know, dance can now take place, and I quote, dance can now take place indoors for individual training, which can be defined as individual physically distant non-contact activity completed in a predefined area within a controlled environment and without the sharing of equipment. But this does not permit dance classes of any sort to take place indoors. But that's pretty much what we do in a dance class anyway. The mm. children are standing in their two metres, you know. They, they don't share equipment. and um, The teachers are masked. In many cases, the children past the age of 12 are also, were also masked when we were open. But of course, we haven't had the opportunity now to, to teach indoors, as I said earlier there, since October mm. or December. You know? I think you, you make the point in your... Uh, post and also the IBTA your association makes the point in its press release children are losing out here desperately because of this. Oh hugely I mean you know there are other organisations as well the Performing Arts Educators of Ireland the Irish Dancing Associations you know not every child is a sporty child or is interested in sports um, in outdoor sports specifically because of course we all you know the, the emphasis of course was on an outdoor summer but not every child plays a sport you know for so many of our children they express themselves in an artistic manner dance is their sport drama singing musical theater just indoor arts in general that is their outlet from from school and this is how they enrich their lives and this is what contributes to their mental and physical well-being and really without sounding harsh they're being denied that opportunity Mm. it's almost like the arts sector is sort of the forgotten sector where where the government comes from and i know that sounds terrible saying that but but from our perspective that's what it seems like you know Mm. and as i say you know not every kid is sporty we're all delighted at the moment with all the results coming from tokyo and it's giving the country a great lift but not every child is going to be a rower some child is going to go off and want to be in the Royal Ballet Company. Some child is going to go, want to be um, in Les Mis on the West End. You know, we've got stars from Cork and Ireland on the stage in the West End. Yes, we do. That's, 
their profession. That's their highest achievement, you know. And these kids need to have their outlets restored. I mean, they're going back to school in September. You know, and I mean, if, if, the, if the public health want to sort of say, you know, dance classes can't be permitted in UL, the dance degree program in UL didn't actually stop indoor classes at all. They did one week in studio, one week online. So they kept going. You know, um, I know some of my own students attend um, or former students attend the CSM Dance College. They were back in the studios in, I think it was March or April. You know, mm. so because it's government funded and we're private funded, I mean, that shouldn't be a difference. The virus mm. doesn't know the difference between yes. that and the private school, you know. Mm. It's, it's um, not as if it's across the board either, Sinead. It's not really as if it's, no, it's not really. It's not really. But, and, and I guess as well, it's, I suppose it's not really a case of what is and isn't allowed right now. It's a case of when will we be given even guidance as to when we can reopen. I mean, we were mentioned in the announcement on the 28th of May. And since then, the only announcement that came was, the 10th of July, saying indoor summer camps were now not permitted either. So that's the only um, correspondence, really, we've had from, from government. So we're looking for them to, to address it and sort of give us the reasons why they won't allow the kids attend. Um, and I'm sure they'll come back and say it, it's about the indoor, but we know we can do it safely. I mean, I was saying yesterday contact tracing and social distancing were the norm in our world before they ever became um, popular phrases in our everyday world today. You know, we have contact details for every child. We know where the kids stand in the studio. We know who they're going to be beside each day. We have social distancing measures in place hygiene. You, you could write the book in other words. We could write the book, we could. The, the association has called for a statement no later than the 5th, which is Thursday. It's Thursday, yeah. We issued our statement last Wednesday, so it sort of gave the government a week, because, you know, parents have to plan. You know, parents' lives were sort of upended a little bit in the summer as well, when the summer camps went, you know, because they had their children enrolled in so many indoor summer camps, then they had to go and find something else for the kids to do. Parents have lives to, to live, the children have lives to live. We as teachers and business owners have school timetables to plan, insurance, we all pay our taxes, we're businesses the same as anybody else, you know, and all that takes time to plan. So I guess we're, we're just no different to any other sector, you know, needing an answer from, from the government as to when we can reopen. We'll see where it goes, Sinead, and we may speak again, of course. That's Sinead Murphy, Principal of the Cork School of Dance, and she's the Vice President of the Irish Ballet Teachers Association. Thank you, Sinead. Getting quite a number of calls and messages from parents in support of what Sinead is saying, including one uh, email, which I'll read in a short while. John says, you had plenty to say about house parties and people who marched on the streets, but just gloss over the silver key because he's your buddy. Shame on you. Well, first of all, he's not my buddy. Right, I just know the guy because I grew up across the road from the Silver Key, and as I said, I, I drank there with my dad. Got be good too, and we would have had you know some get-togethers there, and indeed my dad's funeral reception or his removal reception was in the Silver Key. So I know the place very well, and Tony's not my buddy, but I do know. I, I just thought it was the most stupid thing to say on video that I ever saw anyone do during this pandemic. Utterly daft. Daft. Uh, I was going, what are you saying? But he wasn't endangering anybody. He wasn't breaking any government guidelines. He was just acting the goal. 
The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. I have to tell you a lot of support for Sinead uh, talking about dance classes uh, for kids. Four, maybe four to five thousand children around Cork City and County still not able to go to their weekly or twice weekly dance classes under public health restrictions. And look, Sinead and her association say we fully understand the public health restrictions. We fully understand that public health officials are worried about children getting together in groups like this, but it's an anomaly and that some can do it, not others can do it. Kids can go some places and they can't go here. They can play hurling, but they can't do their dance class. And they want a statement from government by the 5th of August. And we get quite an amount of response to it. Uh, hi, PJ. It's unfair to all dance students. My daughter's been practicing ballet since she was three and she's gutted. She can't go back to practice in class now. She can go to gymnastics, but not dance. Where's the logic in that? Typical, the arts are forgotten again. Thanks for highlighting this, says Siobhan. Children must be allowed to resume their indoor activities. Uh, We must look at the physical and mental health of every child. Professional ballet teachers in this country train students that go on to third-level education, both in this country and overseas. This is their career, and they're being denied their training for that. Not all children are sporty. Where is the science and the sense behind not allowing us to reopen when pubs are now open? We're a highly controlled and socially distanced art, says Lucy French of the Lucy French School of Dance in Kinsale. With a couple more, uh, with Morella's message and Michelle sent in an email. I'll come back to those because I want to go quickly enough to my next guest on the opinion line this morning. Just a quick question before we do that. We had a, a listener got on to say, this might be impossible to answer. Well, very little is impossible to answer, thankfully. But on the opinion line on Friday, Fiona mentioned a recommendation from a listener for an Instagram with information about thinning hair, etc., they said they had advice about supplements and all that. I'd really appreciate if there was any chance you could email me and let me know. We'll be call it out just as handy. Trua Hair is on Instagram. That's T-R-U-A Hair. Trua Hair. You'll find them on Instagram. 1850-715-996. Sean Kelly, if and again MEP for Ireland South, reckons it's about time that stations like 96FM and others got a divvy from the television licence fee. You're singing our song, Sean, uh, but it's never going to happen, is it? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Nice to meet you. I think it will happen, and it should happen, and it should have happened long ago, because, as you said, the TV licence fee was for public service broadcasting, which was essentially RTE for many, many years. But now that has changed with the advent of local radios, who have grown in strength and in popularity, as we've seen by the various polls carried out. And uh, they need funding to continue that, because for many people, uh, local radio is probably more important than the the national stations. And I think that needs to be recognised. I'm not saying that the national stations aren't important, or to use, of course, but at the same time, you need a level playing field. And when things change, 
you must change wishes. Mm. We haven't changed uh, in terms of supporting uh, the broader media, which we now have, especially the local radio stations. Well, your comments are appreciated, Sean, because one of the most costly things that local radio does, regional radio does, is exactly what we're doing now. Talk and news and and that kind of thing, and public service broadcasting like we've been doing throughout uh, the pandemic. The RTE gets a hefty chunk of change out of the licence fee, which enables it to do things we can't. Absolutely. And also, I, I've always felt it a bit uh, strange to have ads on the RT itself telling us that these inspectors are coming and that they're going to check. So all that's a, a complete waste of time and a waste of money. It would be far better to have a system where there was a proper collection where people couldn't divide paying. That's it. There would be a level playing field and to be far smarter and simpler and fairer. And also... Something that isn't mentioned often enough. To watch television, you really have to sit down and uh, watch it and turn on the TV. But people can listen to the radio as they are now at the moment. Some of them probably driving, some of them walking, some of them boutiques, in shops, etc. So from that point of view, it has a a tremendous reach that you don't Mm. have with TV. And also, much of the media uh, information is usually generated first at local level and then the national stations have a choice of picking uh, yeah. the more interesting uh, topics for them. Yeah. So not only are you providing the media for the locals, but you're also providing the information for nationals as well. And that yeah. is something that isn't really recognised either. You, 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 you're not the first to, to say this. I'm sure you know that, Sean. But how would one go about making it happen, of course, is the key question. I think you'd scrap the licence fee, essentially, because, as I said, it's a foolish way to be trying to collect it in this day and age, to be paying people to go around to make sure, look in windows or knock at doors mm. and see that TV there and, and they're paying the licence. We came home think, from holidays to find a, a letter in the mailbox looking for our television licence fee, so that's still how they're doing it. Yeah, and also, I think in a post-COVID world, uh, that mightn't be the way to go about doing things properly. So... Uh, definitely what you should have really is either a general fee that people would pay, something like the local property tax, or that would be paid through taxes generally at local level or an increase in that, or something of that nature, where people actually wouldn't feel the pain, but people would be delighted to see well, uh, their funding going. If you put taxes up, evaluate. people will feel pain. That's the given, because taxes are already very high in this country. If you put taxes up, people will feel pain, you know? Well, they will feel it in the sense they will know of it, but they're already paying it anyway. But they would, I think nobody would object to it going to local radio stations because they're probably uh, one of the very few outlets that people really appreciate and would like to see supported. I mean, what would life be like if you didn't have a local radio station now? And it, for many people, and especially people living alone and elderly, I think life would be miserable. And that's something that we need to recognise. So it's only a question of saying, uh, how much does it take? How do we generate it and distribute it fairly? I mean, we did it during the pandemic with uh, new ways of paying people and new schemes, etc. We've just come up with a scheme that works and is fair. And I think that's something we should really push. Mind you, if you look at your newspapers this morning, Sean, and I'm sure you do, you will find reports to the effect that RTE 
may well need to get bailed out fairly soon to, to cut off a revenue stream to them like the television licence will only make their problems worse and that would be their defence. Yeah, and I'm not talking about cutting it off. I'm saying perhaps looking at a new model that would help them in many ways but also level the playing field because there's no doubt about it. Many people would think that while RT are doing a very good job and in some respects are doing uh, wonderful programmes also, people who some people I think would rightly say that maybe they might be paying uh, wages to some of their top performers, which aren't really in line with what is commensurate with their job, and that's something that needs to be looked at. So, what we really need is yeah. to look at the whole situation, come up with a new plan that would uh, both help. The, the only so, other thing that would arise, Sean, and this is more a public perception than a reality I guess, but at the same time because RT gets such a huge chunk of change from the taxpayer every year, there is a perception out there that it's not independent because of that and that's right or wrong that's a perception, not a fact Would there there be a question of independence if we were all getting a, a slice of that cake? No, I think independence will be guaranteed. In fact, that's what you need to have independence so you can go about your job, do it independently, be assured that you're going to be covered, but also that you meet the highest standards. And as well as that, of course, the other point is when we were talking about inspectors, inspectors have to be employed, which you don't need to continue with, but also up to 15, between 15 and 25% of people don't pay. So there's a loss of revenue there as well. So I think... The whole thing should be looked at, scrap the TV license system, scrap the inspectors going around, uh, look at it, get a model that is fit for purpose in this day and age to ensure that the new uh, media situation, which uh, is reflected in the work that's done particularly by local radio stations, is recognised. So they are put on a, a good financial footing for the future, but also... RT and the national stations can survive as well because they were all important role to play, but there must be a level playing field. Yeah, there was a proposal on this basis made to the future of media commission. Doesn't seem to have gone anywhere though. Yeah, but that's that's only starting now. But the process, like everything, takes time, and particularly now as we're going back to kind of normality. Hopefully, in a post-COVID world, this will have to be looked at because right. it has been ignored. Uh, long enough, people have been talking about it and it's something I think that is indeed part of the programme for government to look at the whole situation and it needs to be done and could be done pretty quickly because it isn't that complex it's just a matter of having the will to do it and looking at the best solution and I think the solutions are there All right, Sean, thank you very much Sean Kelly, uh, MEP Finnegan MEP for Ireland South on the idea that the television licence fee would be scrapped and you would pay for your services in a totally different way through VAT or tax, whatever. That's that's one element of it. But the other element of it is that, uh, you know, radio stations like this would get a chunk of change from the Exchequer to allow us to do more. Because this kind of broadcasting that I'm doing right now and sport coverage at the weekend, particularly on a sister station, C103, with so much live commentary, things like that, that's all expensive. Very expensive. And... Would be nice to get help with it from the Exchequer. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Your thoughts? I'd like them. Some news from UCC just breaking through. I'm delighted for this. 
to hear this because I, I knew John O'Halloran ah donkeys years ago now and not well but when it's someone you kind of half know it's nice to see uh, UCC has appointed Professor John O'Halloran as the 16th president of the university with effect from August the 30th he has been interim president since last September he was deputy president uh, prior to that and he will be the new, the officially made the 16th president of UCC from the end of the month. And uh, delighted for him. Congratulations to him. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Keeping your Tuesday afternoon moving with all your favourite tunes if you're at work or in the car. Keep you company. And I've got more of those Best of Cork Awards shortlist to bring you. See you from 12 on Cork's 96FM. Cork's 96FM. <laughs> Just on that statistic I gave you, if you missed it before the news, the amount of cash that we're still using in this country at a time that we're, we're encouraged to use our cards in shops and restaurants and pubs or wherever we happen to be going. They want us to use our card, preferably to use our card. I don't like it, by the way, where some places are just taking card. I I dislike that very, very much. In fact, you're less likely to get my business if you're not willing to take cash. I I don't necessarily insist on paying by cash, but I'd like the option. Uh, But anyway, uh, 21.4 billion euro we took out of ATMs in the last 12 months. Uh, that's that's reported in the Irish Independent today. There's a bigger story around it, which I'll get to maybe later, but that's about 4,300 yo-yos in cash each that we took out of ATMs last year. At a time when, um, at a time when we're being told that we're going more and more towards cashless, on WhatsApp, good on the people using cash. Cash is king. Say no to plastic. And Finn says, should we have to tip the deliver do driver. <laughs> You're not wrong, Finn. Uh, say no to plastic. I wouldn't be saying no to plastic. I just like the option. I've started doing recently what I hadn't done for a long time. I started having some cash in my wallet. I, I hadn't for months on end. Tap, 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 tap. I have some cash in my wallet now because we all know cash is safe to use. That's been stressed over and over again. There's no danger in using cash in this pandemic. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Do you know the number of divorces have gone up, or applications for divorce has gone up by nearly a third recently? Now it could be down to the pandemic, but maybe not. The Port Service annual report tells us that there were just over five thousand two hundred and sixty court applications for divorce last year, compared with 4,000 in 2019 and 3,800 in 2018. So it's going up. Is it the pandemic or is it a change in the rules? Inga Klisman is a family lawyer. Inga, good morning to you. Hi, good morning, PJ. Is it a change in the rules or is it the pandemic? Because the rules have changed significantly. The rules have changed significantly and I think that is the correct basis for coming to that conclusion because... Uh, in order to apply for a divorce, uh, a couple have to be living apart for two years as a requirement before they apply for a divorce. And of course, we haven't had two years of a pandemic as yet, thank goodness. Mm. So 
I don't believe it's that cause itself. But the rules have changed. And the way the rules have changed is that previously you had to be living apart for four years out of five. And now you have to be living apart for two years out of three. Mm. So that means that people who would previously, say, have applied in year three and four after they had separated from each other can now apply in years uh, two, uh, just after the second year has passed. So that brings a number of people forward into what I would call the the statistics. I think that's very likely one of the reasons that has led to the increase in the divorces. Yeah, because, like you said, the pandemic hasn't even been with us, thankfully, for two years, and hopefully we'll be sick. We'll have it kicked out the back door well and truly inside two years, hopefully yes. at least. Hopefully. Uh, so the, the rule change is what this is about. I think so as well. And I also think maybe that, that people's expectations have become somewhat higher in that younger people maybe are not willing to put quite as much effort into their marriages as maybe the older generation was prepared to do, you know. And and they also have higher stresses because nowadays you have to have really two incomes to run a family. In the old days, you could run a family even sometimes with a car just on the one income, yeah. you know. So there's nobody at home to do all that project management, the homework, the shopping, the fixing of the washing machine, being there, all those kind of things that used to be done uh, with having one person at home, you know. So I think people are, are under a lot more time uh, stress. Yeah. And yeah. that, I think, causes a certain amount of attrition, you know. Yeah. Another thing that comes out of that report to do with the pandemic was an yeah. increase in domestic abuse and an increase in tension in the home. And as a family lawyer yourself, I'm sure you've come across that. Yes, and I think I think that definitely has been increased with the pandemic because people, I think if you force people to stay within the one area uh, and within the one home and where there's a lot of uh, tension, of course people are going to not just rub each other up the wrong way, but they're going to, you know, if it goes on and on, they're going to cause major difficulties. And there has been a, a definite increase in domestic violence. Okay. That's yeah. an, unf- an unfortunate consequence. Listen, thank you for your time this morning. Inga Klisman, who's a senior counsel specialising in family law. Thanks for being with us on the opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. On the TV licence, it's way too high. Uh, by other stations, getting a slice of the fee would only increase it. I've never paid it. I don't intend to pay it now. Uh, it's high. Well, it's 160 euros a year, for which... RTE's argument is, and I'm saying this now, just what they say. Their argument is that for that, you get two television stations, a clatter of radio stations, and lots more besides. And that is what they say. And I'm not going to, I'm not qualified to argue whether that's valid or not. And they, of course, they also get loads of money from commercial sales, but... Kevin agrees that local radio should get a bigger slice of the licence fee, especially for live broadcasting, like sport, comes to mind. The problem comes with who or what misses out, because there's an awful lot of local stations in the country who are deserving of support. Uh, Don was on from Impact Our Community Matters to tell us there is an articulated truck stuck on Blarney Street. Oh, dear. If anybody is there and has a photo, we'd love to see it. I can't think of a worse place 
in the city for an articulated truck. I, is this a two-trailer Arctic? Like one of these big yokes is stuck, and according to Don, we mean stuck on Blarney Street. God. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Musicians Mike Hanrahan and Lorraine Nash and comedian Colin O'Regan are amongst the acts scheduled to appear at the Triscoll Courtyard, a new covered space seating up to 50 people in pods. The shows take place on the 7th and 8th of August, with lots more taking place until Sunday 15th of August when Little Hours play. Access all areas. Four-piece alternative rock band New Dad emerged from Galway at the beginning of last year, self-releasing a string of hit tracks. Since then they've been streamed nearly 2 million times on Spotify alone, and they play Cypress Avenue on September 23rd. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show play or exhibition coming up, or any live streaming event by emailing us here at aaa at 96fm.ie Access all areas Your guide to nightlife on the side On Cork's 96FM The Back Garden Festival is back Cork's 96FM's exclusive online station brings you all the biggest hits from your favourite festival stars Listen now on our app or go to 96fm.ie The Back Garden Festival with Harvey Norman and JBL Your specialist in sound this summer Cork's 96FM The Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Award with localheroes.ie Find trusted local plumbers, electricians, locksmiths and more with a 12-month guarantee backed by Gosh Energy. Alrighty, for the past few weeks you have been inundating us with nominations for places and services and people that are the best in Cork. And it's time now to find out who has made various short lists in the Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards. We're revealing the shortlists across today and then bowling opens tonight at 8 o'clock on 96FM.ie. Before I give you my next set of nominations, just in case you missed them this morning, the lads started it on the breakfast show. They had Best Breakfast and Best Gym. I'll give you Best Breakfast now. Just, I don't actually give you Best Gym now. This is what the lads had for this morning for Best Gym was MT Fitness... District Health and Leisure, EMF Lifting and Laughing, Keto Gym, Glanmire, and F1T Gym. They were the nominations as Best Gym, which were announced this morning. But just in case you're, you missed it, we're nice like that. Now, here in the opinion line, we're moving to Best Barber, if you don't mind. Best Barber. And the nominations are for Best Barber in the Cork's 96M Best of Cork Awards 2021. Peaky Barbers, Barber Lane, Blades, Mikey's Barber Shop, and the Baldy Barber. So the nominations for Best Barber in the Cork's 96 event, Best of Cork Awards 2021. Peaky Barbers, Barber Lane, Blades, Mikey's Barber Shop, and Baldy Barber. The Best of Cork Awards brought to you by localheroes.ie. Find trusted local plumbers, electricians, locksmiths, and more with a 12 month guarantee. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Backed by bored gosh energy. Comparison between here and the UK television license. Our one is €160. Uh, In the UK, it's £159. And if you put that into a converter, as of today, that's £186. Euro. So the the t- t- television license in the UK can have fairly expensive, uh, more expensive, certainly more expensive than it is here. Do they get more for it? They probably would argue that they don't, but that's just to bring you the facts. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. We've talked many, many times during the pandemic about workers' rights and about how they may or may not change. Do you know if you have to self-isolate or you have to uh, be laid off temporarily? What are your entitlements? What in particular are your holiday entitlements, your time off entitlements, your sick entitlements, all that? And what are you entitled to and what are you not? And many people have been very confused over the last uh, 17 months. No matter how hard you try to explain it, it, it goes over a lot of people's heads because it's difficult. This is tough stuff and it's stuff that we, we don't normally have to worry about. You know, you get your holidays, you get your wages, you get your entitlements. Sometimes they're not what you'd like, but you get them. But the pandemic has made that all much more complicated. Uh, Marge Lysett is Information Officer with Cork City, South County and South Munster Citizens Information Service. And uh, she joins me to hopefully deal with a few questions. Marge, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Nice to speak with you. I think a lot of people are returning to work at the moment uh, for the first time in a long time. And they're concerned in relation to their tax entitlements uh, and their holiday entitlements. Mm -hmm. For example, do you continue to accrue your holiday entitlements if you've Mm -hmm. been laid off for a few months? 
Yeah, and it's a question we're getting quite frequently at the moment, as you can imagine. So, I mean, when people are returning um, back to work um, after a period of layoff, it could potentially affect your annual leave entitlement. So, and there's no right actually to build up annual leave entitlement when you're on layoff. You build it up on the basis of working. Now, that's unless you're on sick leave or protected leave like maternity leave. So, for example, like if somebody has been laid off for six months of 2021 from January to June and then their annual leave entitlement is only half of what it normally would be. So usually minimum entitlements wise and someone might have four working weeks in the year. But um, if they've been on layoff for six months of that, now they'll only have two weeks. So unless their contract obviously allows for more, that's possible as well. And sometimes people, if they were on very short-term layoff and they've worked, there's a rule in the Act basically that says if you've worked more than 1,365 hours in the year in total, you get your four weeks anyway. So for somebody who was on very short-term layoff, maybe two months or three months, they might have worked that number of hours. So it would be definitely worth checking with us if anyone's confused, they can contact us by phone or by email and we can go through their individual annual leave entitlements with them. I'll get those details off you in a while. In terms of tax, someone who's going back to work who's been out on a a pandemic payment for a period of time. Now we know that there there was a tax implication mentioned along the way now it's going to become reality for some people what are they facing? Yeah, absolutely. Like most people who were laid off because of the pandemic would have been on the pandemic unemployment payment, POP. So POP is a taxable payment. So in 2021, basically how revenue are collecting that, it's in real time. So what they have done is they're reducing tax credits for people and their rate band. Now, what I mean by rate band is when where they start paying a higher rate of tax. Um, so basically, they make an assumption that the person's going to get the pup for the year and they reduce their tax credits and rate accordingly. So it means that when people are going back to work, they'll have reduced tax credits, so they won't have a tax-free amount as such, and they'll start paying more tax faster, basically. So to sort it out, basically, a person, um, they should sign off their pub payment as soon as possible immediately when they go back to work and you can do that online on the mywelfare.ie website Mm. it's straightforward enough and then what happens is the Department of Social Protection who are responsible for the pub payment they are informing revenue on a weekly basis is what we understand of all pub claims that have been closed then they send a notification to payroll um, basically for your employer and they readjust your tax credits mm. and rate on a week one basis, which means you get them back and your employer then can sort out your tax and you don't end up overpaying tax. Yeah. Um, it, it, that's in most cases. How, how much tax is due on a €350 Euro a week PUP approximately? Mm. Well, that would really depend on the person's tax situation. So it would vary from individual to individual. For example, some people will have extra tax credits. Some people will be taxed with a spouse, for example, a joint assessment, or they might might have um, be caring for someone where they'd have an extra tax credit. So it basically varies. But I mean, I mean, everybody has would have their single person's tax credit as what it is um, and they would have a PAYE tax credit as well so I mean 
But what I would advise is because um, I don't want to mislead anyone because their personal tax situation sure. might be very individualistic. So the best thing in definitely in that situation is to call us and we can go through it with them step by step, their own personal um, tax situation and evaluate it for like we're non non-judgmental, confidential sure. service, so we wouldn't be sharing or collecting information to share with any other department and we can go through it individually with them. Sure. Now, people going back to work in hospitality... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the old query comes up quite frequently about tips. Are tips yeah. subject to tax? Well, income is taxable, so potentially, yes, tips are taxable. But there is um, a confusion about this issue because I suppose there's nothing in law to say that you're automatically entitled to kind of keep tips. And also there's nothing in law to say that you have to hand them over to the employer. So it really depends on the customer and practices the term to be used in the workplace. So if the employer or the boss handles the tips and, and they process them through payroll, then the tips are subject to tax normally. <sighs> Yeah. So, so if like, at the end of my meal, I'm very happy with the fact that young Michelle or young Johnny has done a great job with serving and I hand him a couple of bob for himself and he has to put that back into a basket inside and it all gets counted, he'll be taxed on that. Yeah, potentially. So if it's done through payroll, the payroll will sort it out for the employees, which is good. And if it's done, like if individually the work practices that the employee takes it themselves, they would have to be conscious that it's potentially taxable income. Now, it's important for them to remember that it can't make up part of their minimum hourly pay, if you like. So, yeah, that's separate. But yeah, income is taxable. So tips potentially are taxable. Okay. Just finally, uh, Marge, for, for young people who would be starting employment and going into the workforce for the first time, what kind of things should they be aware of as they go to take up that first job? I suppose for young people starting, a key tip would be to inform revenue as soon as you can that you've started work. So this avoids, similarly to what we were talking about earlier, it avoids overtaxation. So instead of paying emergency tax when um, revenue don't know they're working, um, they might pay a lot of tax. That can be sorted out pretty fast. Also, a good thing to remember is that if young people are looking up, well, what's the minimum wage? It is 10.20 per hour. Um, but this is actually for for what's defined as an experienced adult worker, which really means for somebody over 20. So if you're under 18 um, or younger and you're working, you're really only guaranteed 70% of that minimum wage, and that's 7.14 an hour, which is a good figure to remember for young people. They shouldn't be getting less than this. Okay. Okay. All right. Listen, Marge, thank you very much for your time uh, this morning. Appreciate it. Could you just give me the number that people can call or the email address they can use before I let you go? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are w- working away here and happy to help. And um, our office is based on Core Market Street. And the telephone number to reach us on is 0761 One second, I'll do that a bit more slowly for me. 761 one nine five zero. So that's zero seven six one nine five zero, correct? No, sorry, that number is zero seven six one. Yes. Zero seven six. Yes. Nine five zero. Okay. Thank you. And for we that. also have an office in Holly Hill, and I'll just give that number out as well. Okay. It's zero seven six one zero seven six 
8850 and we are busy and if we can't t- but if we can't take your calls straight away we do always ring people back so do leave a message in case our information okay. officers on co- are on call invariably i will be asked uh marge are they premium numbers no they're they're charged like a local landline okay. number great yeah great okay and the email if people need that it's cork at sitinfo.ie so I'll spell that it's Cork our mm. lovely city at c-i-t-i-n-f-o dot i-e alright and great. we can go through people's queries based on their personal circumstances that's often necessary to tease out what um, they need to know and how to support them in accessing their rights and entitlements alright listen thanks for being with us today Marge Lysett Information Officer for Cork City South County and South Munster Citizens Information Service I'll give you those numbers again a little bit later they're unusual numbers uh, there were two of them and the email address as well we'll, t- we'll hold on to them for, for now looking at changes of of job and people going back to work and taking up new employment and what are you entitled to or not but what about someone who wants to start a whole new career in their 60s and it's a career that she's wanted to try for a very long time a very long time and it's a, it's a, it's a strange one uh, but I'm joined by Sandra Graham now Sandra, all your life you have wanted to be a funeral celebrant. Why? Well, good morning. Well, good morning, PJ. Uh, well, not all my life, but in the um, the last 10 years or so, it's something that I was interested in maybe during a course and then becoming involved in as on a part-time basis because I am working um, and then maybe looking forward to my retirement and maybe doing it on a bigger scale. Mm. So, why? Um, why? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a very morbid type of person, firstly, and I don't wear all black. Pretty happy-go-lucky, but I think I do, um, not blowing my own trumpet or anything, but I do uh, possess uh, empathy, I think, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of drawn to people out there, drawn to me, who maybe need a little shoulder to cry on, or, you know, and I, I feel... And drawn to that type of work, you know. There's quite a number of wedding celebrants around now. Are there funeral celebrants in Ireland? There are. Now, I did a course with the um, Irish Institute of Celebrants um, via Zoom, um, which was great through the pandemic. It, was, it gave me an opportunity to do the course. Otherwise, I would have had to go to Dublin over so many weekends and I couldn't, I wasn't in the position to do that. Um, so, yes, I think there were 23 of us and the majority of those had already been working as wedding uh, celebrants. And um, I, for one, I have no interest in um, performing weddings. I don't know why, um, even though I, I do enjoy a good wedding as well. Mm. Um, but it's this line um, that I am um, I'm concentrating on. Yeah. Yeah. Is is this anything to do with the, the tragic loss and, and condolences a number of years ago, of course, the, the tragic loss of your son? I think that might have uh, have something to do with this um, deep down. I, I, I haven't given that much thought, but I think it does leave something with you. And um, during the time of Billy's illness, we spent a lot of time in Crumlin Hospital and in St. Finbar's gastro unit where he subsequently passed away in the end but they were fantastic and I met a lot of other parents and um, 
during that time and to kind of leave something with you. You think about them after and any time you hear of a child who's ill, you think of your own circumstances and you try to, you know, comfort others as well. Yeah, it gives you an empathy, you know? I guess. That it does, I think it does, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was a long time ago now, I know, but still that pain, if you day, feel that day, day, every day, you yeah, do, you do of course. And any other mum will tell you the same sure thing. And, and they have and man, many of them, many, yes, many exactly. of them indeed. Now, yeah, yeah. like, this might be fairly new to Ireland, but it's 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 been done around the world. You're trying to get some work. You've been talking to hotels, talking to the crematorium in, in Ring of Skiddy, talking yes. to some funeral directors. It's a bit mm-hmm. of a closed shop, is it, Sandra? It's, yes, I think in Ireland, we, you know, the changes are all quite new and people still are, are a little bit, you know, um, going to the church for different occasions and may, might not be going to Mass every Sunday. But they still, you know, I think a lot of people are kind of coming away from that a little bit now and they want, with the weddings especially, they're getting their alternative weddings. They're having them in, in lovely settings, such as Fernhill House now is one setting that then. I can personally recommend fantastic and beautiful gardens there and they have a lovely marquee set up permanently. Um, or you could even, people have, have marquees in their own gardens. You know, for weddings, they're, they're looking outside the box. But for funerals, I think a lot of people don't realise that this particular um, service is available. Yeah, possibly uh, because so I guess you plan for months and months for a wedding unfortunately you may only have a day or two to plan a funeral and you're in a you're in no fit state as it were you know well what when when through my training um what we are encouraged to do is go obviously and meet the family every obviously every passing is different and it's always a very personal experience for the for the um family and we like to kind of get to know the deceased build a, a, a service around them, get a little a gist of what they were about, their personality, what they achieved in life, and and push all of this together and, you know, personalise the service rather than just come up, Johnny, say a prayer, come up and we'll have a hymn here or a song there. Um, and with, the, with this uh, service that we provide also, um, it's not humanist, we can have a spiritual, we can have any type, okay. you know, it's you know, it's any type of service, um, which also I think, and there's, while I'm on with you, there's a huge opening for um, purpose-built area um, to perform these ceremonies, be it a naming ceremony, funeral, or even a wedding, just to have that special setting again without the family being rushed and, you know, you know make, it, make it all very special. Sandra, where can someone contact you if they'd like to use your services or indeed just find out more? Well, um, they can go on my um, my Facebook page, Alexandra Graham Sir, uh, Memorial Funeral and Memorial Services, or I can give you my phone number. Is that okay to give my phone number now? Why not? And they can give a message. It's oh eight seven. Yes. Nine six. Yes. Nine five. Gotcha. Nine seven six. Um, okay. and I do have um, an email address. Um. I can give you my, my personal email address. It's Sandra Graham 032 at com. Sandra Graham 032 at com. Sandra, good luck with it. It's an interesting change of career. And, and uh, I hope you'll bring, you will, I'm sure, bring solace to, to many bereaved families as you go down that road. You sound like that kind of a person. Thank you for being with me on the opinion line. That is Sandra Graham, 185715.
996. Just seeing there's some Olympic news coming in. I'm very delighted for this young lady because I remember watching her in 2016 and thinking, is she the best we've ever seen? She certainly looked like it. I'm talking about, of course, Simone Biles. What a gymnast. What an incredible gymnast. Just phenomenally good. Talking to friends of mine at the time who heavily involved in gymnastics. I said, she's the best I've ever seen since Kamenech, since Corbett, since the greats. Simone Biles, she had a horrible Olympics. She lost her way in a vault in the first competition she was in. And if you lose your way at that speed, you could be killed or seriously injured. And she just pulled back and she said she's not in it. Mentally, she's not in it. So she pulled back. She came back to competition this morning and she has won a bronze at the beam the women's beam, which I'm delighted for her. There was a lot of nasty talk about her uh, last week on online. Uh, but when you work at that speed and split seconds in midair, the slightest thing out of place, you could be seriously hurt or worse. So when she wasn't feeling right, she did the right thing for herself. 1850 She's back with the bronze. Simone Biles. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96FM.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. I'll have another category to give you the short list for the best Cork Awards uh, later this hour. Giving you the best coffee. The short list for the best coffee. So stick around for that between now and midday. 1850-715-996. With a bit of luck, uh, this time next year we'll be back at festivals and back at music and back at gigs and I got my tickets nailed down while I was away for Elton John at Parky Cueve and so, so looking forward to seeing that and hopefully many, many more gigs uh, next year but as we await the return of gigs remind you once again that Cork's 96M's exclusive station and the Back Garden Festival is back online, streaming the biggest hits from your favourite festival stars it's with Harvey Norman and JBL uh, your specialist in sound this summer. They're all there. Music is great. Banging. And it's all on the app or go to 96fm.ie. 1850-715-996. Now, our back is the most important part of our body. Because if your back gives trouble, pretty much everything goes out in sympathy. Take it as one who knows uh, because I've had on and off difficulty with my back for years thankfully I have a brilliant chiropractor who takes care of me now and again and over the weekend a mate of mine good mate of mine just back from holidays zinged his back at home and the pain the poor man was in uh, but you know there are ways we can mind our backs there are ways we can protect our backs and there were posters and leaflets and pamphlets all over the place but you know we generally don't we don't read them we don't look at them we don't take any notice of them 
but maybe we should. Mary Pleasure is from Carberry Physiotherapy and she joins me to talk for a little while about the importance of looking after your back. Mary, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. Yes, lovely to be here. Delighted to do so. Mary, the importance of keeping your back as strong and as healthy as you can, you can't overstate it, can you? No, I think kind of from an early age, trying to keep the strength in our lower limb and in our spinal muscles is really important. And that can be an issue more so for women. So at the moment in Ireland, about one third of the population suffers from uh, low back pain. Yeah. You know, of varying degrees. Now, what's become prevalent over the last few years is that postpartum, up to 20% of women experience low back pain six months after pregnancy, yeah. you know, in those first six months. And it's a time of their life where they're really busy. They're having to cope with maybe older siblings as well. So it's yeah. a very difficult time. I suppose it makes, it makes absolute issue. sense when you look at it, doesn't it, Mary? Because, yeah. you know, carrying, carrying a baby and, and giving birth... Yeah. Sure, that, that's an awful assault and on the body. And, feet in and out. And, yeah. and you have to put that right, don't you? Mm. So then when they looked at um, women post-C-section, over 50% of them were developing low back pain as well. So there's certain risk factors we need to identify at a young age. So there could be family history of discal issues. Um, in general, women are slightly more prone to it. As we age as well, it becomes an issue. If we are gained weight, you know or reduced our physical activity. So I think a lot of women tend to kind of um, maybe not identify that in their own. They're trying to keep the house going. They're trying to keep everyone else in the house well, and they sometimes neglect themselves. We find the male patients are better at seeking out treatment. They come quicker for They make the time for the treatment. They make the time for the exercise. Mm. Um, other factors then as well, it's the stress anxiety, sleep disturbance, and I think it's just been such a difficult year on everyone. Yes. Um, that that's a big factor as well now. Um, strenuous exercise. Um, so what we need to do as well is pace ourselves, you know. So a lot of people um, want to rush back into doing a marathon or a half marathon, and they, they may be just not physically ready to do it. So what we're encouraging people in, in our clinic, we're lucky to have a specialist physio, in women's health and she does a program called the Mommy MOT where she does a thorough check postpartum and that's really helpful in patients because she's able to guide them along and improve their exercise prescription over time and maybe prevent maybe having uh, low back pain later in the time. Yeah, and thinking in terms of my listeners who would have had babies recently or indeed are about to have a baby um, and, yeah. and would you recommend, for example, Mary, that, that anyone who's had a child, uh, be it in the last six months or eight months or year or who's about to have a child, that they would consider getting some physiotherapy to get there. I think, yeah, just like a, a once-off assessment even, just yeah. a kind of a baseline, because sometimes that's a slippery slope then for other issues later on. So it could be in later pregnancies they develop more issues, you know. Yeah. And then people go into physical work. You know, in the last year we've seen a lot of healthcare workers, um, you know, a lot of nurses coming in in a lot of pain and I suppose not even really wanting to take time off work. Yeah. So they've really had a really tough year trying to juggle family life and, um, and, and strenuous work, you know, people working with the elderly. Um, they've had a very difficult year. So what we're trying to do really is get people to identify their risk factors, encouraging them to take things like vitamin D, looking at their bone density as they age. Mm. 
they're getting a DEXA scan. The Osteoporosis Society have a really good website where you can go in and they ask you a, a questionnaire. So it's both for men and women. And you look at your risk factors. And then based on those risk factors, you can decide whether you're a high risk, where you'd have your DEXA scan done earlier in life, or whether you're more a milder risk. Mm. So our advice really, I suppose, is to... For, um, for men and women, really, is to, you know, if they ha- develop pain and if it's lasting for a longer period of time. So the red flags for pain, if there was something sinister, would be severe pain at night, losing weight, fever, um, loss of bladder and co- control. If that's an issue, that can be a sign of cod equina, which is a more serious thing. Mm-hmm. So you kind of rule out your red flags and then you look at your accurate diagnosis. So we really in the clinic try and encourage an accurate diagnosis then treat them, send them on their way with progressive exercise programs. You know? okay. But I think it's really important education. It's really important and reassurance, you know, because people can become very anxious when they develop a pain. Mm. And, um, you know, it can spiral then into lack of sleep with things on more anxiety. Yeah. More anxiety more doesn't pain. help the pain. Yeah. 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 So you're just yeah. trying to like, you know, just... It's a kind of a, a holistic thing. approach, isn't it, Mary? Very much the whole you know. person and their I, life, yeah. you know. So yeah. sometimes... To allow someone to get better, they might need to make changes in their life. They might need to make more time for themselves, you know, so that they can get their walk in, they can get their exercise, and varying the exercises. So they might have elements of Pilates, you know, yoga um, for stress relief, um, exercising, cycling, you know, just a varied exercise. Aerobic right. exercise is really important in terms of um recovery as well you know what would you recommend as a starting point for anybody listening who maybe is feeling it a bit uh, in their in their back where where might they start i think really we need to maybe maybe make sure that they're not within that red flag category you know so make sure there's nothing sinister going on and maybe seek um the care of a chartered physiotherapist to do a full assessment on them get a an exercise prescription program that's appropriate for them and set them, uh, you know, different hobbies that will help them along in terms of getting their strength. You see some people um, join classes that are too hard for them, you know, Mm. or they decide they're going to run a marathon when they're not really physically able, you know, or they don't have the muscle strength or the core control or the pelvic floor for it, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's just trying to, like, I suppose, be realistic in terms of our goals. Yes. Yes, and do, and do what you're able to program. do. Do what you're able to do, yeah. Yeah, very much so. Right. Okay. And maintaining good strength in our back. And I suppose making time for it. I think very much, I'm a mother of three boys myself, and between juggling work and everything, I, I, do, I do really find it challenging to find time. And I think most mothers are like that because they're trying to work. Then before they know it, they're driving children to matches and activities. And that, that time, that window they have for themselves is very hard to find sometimes. Yeah. All right, Mary. Yeah. Good, good advice, and thank you very much. And I'm sure they can people can look up Carberry Physiotherapy and find out more. Mary Glazier from Carberry Physiotherapy, uh, taking care of your back, especially if you've had or are about to have a child. And I suppose when you think about it, right, and just think about the body as a set of structures like bones and muscles, and you put a baby in there and you grow that baby or babies for nine months, and, and they're sitting on you for nine months and then they're gone like your body has moved and shaped itself to accommodate this and it may or may not all go back together it's not on elastic it may or may not all go back together and if it doesn't what do you do maybe get some help some physio
Thank you, Mary. 1850-715-996. Just coming back to the TV licence issue. Uh, talking earlier on this morning with Sean Kelly, uh, the Fine Gael MEP for Ireland South, who's suggesting that the whole system be changed, that the licence itself be scrapped and replaced with a charge that would be paid through tax or paid through that or something like that. And that it would be distributed not just to RTE, but to the local radio stations, that they would get a slice of the cake to cover the high costs of public service broadcasting, the likes of this programme and news bulletins and sport and election coverage and stuff like that. It's all very pricey. It's all very good, very important to do, great fun to do, but it's all very pricey. And uh, Sean Kelly is suggesting that maybe it should be all be divvied out a bit more among all the radio stations, and I'm sure many of them would love to get a slice of it. Uh, then the question came up, can you actually pay your TV licence by direct debit? Uh, you actually can. A couple of different options. Uh, you can obviously do it in one instalment, 160. You can do it in two six-monthly instalments of 80. You can do it in four quarterly instalments of 40. Or you can do it monthly and spread it all over the 12 months and that's €13.33 per month. But all that can be done. I didn't know that. That's new to me. But then John says, I would not agree that money should go to foreign-owned stations. Grand? Grand? 1850, I think that's meant to be a dig. Thanks, John. 1850, 715-996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Thanks for all your nominations in the Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards. Now stay listening to hear who's made the shortlist. We're announcing the finalists all day today. Then get voting for your favourite. From 8pm tonight. The Best of Cork Awards. With localheroes.ie. Find trusted local plumbers, electricians, locksmiths and more. With a 12-month guarantee backed by Board Gosh Energy. Only on Cork's 96FM. I'll give you those details for citizens' advice again in a while just how you can contact them with queries with regard to your entitlements at work or going back to work as uh, our caller Mary not Mary who was it I get so many people excuse me Marge from the citizens information on me before 11 and she was saying look many many queries can be answered individually if you contact them that way so I'll give you out the details before we finish up today Uh, 1850-715-996 on the TV licence case says we shouldn't be paying anything to our own national broadcaster they won't even show our GA matches they're giving them to Sky (laughs) to be fair Kay they didn't give them to Sky Sky threw money at it the GA took it I watched the Cork Dublin hurling match on uh, Sky at the weekend good coverage very good coverage but, but at the same time uh, people say, well, they shouldn't be on Sky. We're lucky it's not all on Sky, lads. We are lucky it's not all on Sky because they have the dosh. They have the money. And they will bid just like they got the Ryder Cup and just like they got other things. When Sky wants something, Sky will get it. So if they come looking for more GEA, they'll get it. You know? 
1850 Speaking of television and watching television, when we were away last week, we uh, the, the missus was FaceTiming uh, our daughter, who was at home with the dogs, and she was FaceTiming her one evening, and the FaceTime wasn't being answered, you see. And then she FaceTimed her again. <laughs> and then, what? What? Hello, like, how are you, how are you doing? Go away, go away. Love Island is on. Grand, thanks. See you tomorrow. Love you too. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Love Island is on. Now, you don't need me to tell you, because I've told you a hundred times before, I have no particular interest in it that ever was. But what you do get interested in is the fallout from it. And I'm one of the people who holds the view that this blasted thing should have been done away with years ago. Not because of what it is, which is just crap television. Very popular crap television, but crap television. But it seems to be getting dangerous. There's a few people dead ah, who, were, who were on Love Island. Involved in Love Island. And it would appear, according to an article in her.ie, that they're at it again. And and there's shenanigans, shall we say, at the villa that could be very detrimental to people's uh, health and well-being. Ellen Fitzpatrick wrote that article. Ellen, good morning to you. Hi, good morning. For, forgive me for saying if I've ever if I've watched two episodes of it ever, I've watched an awful lot, and for one of them, I had to be tied down. But at the same time, you read the fallout. It's massively popular, but there's a Absolutely. twist. Absolutely. I mean, this show has just taken over everyone's TV screen. As you said about your daughter there at the start, I mean, I'm exactly like that. If my mom and dad started trying to FaceTime me, I would kill them. But I'm completely obsessed. Like everyone in her daughter, we, you know, we start our day just talking about what happened on Love Island the night before. Every office is almost like that at this point, And it is taking over. But like you said, it is crap television, but Everyone who watches it knows that and they know what they're getting into when they watch it. What are you watching for then? Oh, who knows? Who knows at this point? It's the drama. It's just something to hook you in. And that is it. It hooks you in and you you get invested. Is it young, beautiful people cavorting or is there more to it than that? It really is as shallow as it sounds. It's just watching other people's lives unfold and it's drama that you don't have to deal with yourself and you can watch other people deal with it. So it's entertainment at, at its finest, almost. But as you said, yes, it is that um, fallout that we, we really do latch on to. And as we've seen from from years in advance, you know, there's two un, very unfortunate deaths that came from contestants on the on the show. And then as well as the previous host, Caroline Flack, who, who sadly died last year due to fallout from this show as well. And... You know, there was calls last year when the Winter Series was on in 2020, just before the world shut down. That series, Caroline died during that. And there was calls for it to be cancelled after that, and nothing was done. Um, And then before this series came on, they sent out press releases to a lot of media organisations. I got one um, to say, you know, we're going to have a lot of aftercare put in, more aftercare than usual, uh, we're going to make sure once people get kicked off the show that they're put through therapy and they have, you know, they know exactly what they're going to deal with on the outside world and how they're going to have, you know, 
agents to deal with and they're going to have their best interests at heart and all of this. But now watching the show and seeing people have left, it doesn't seem like that's actually been put in place. Now, a critic might say, Ellen, it's it's just like a soap opera because they all know what's going on. They're all in it. And at the end of the day, they're just following instructions from the producers. Absolutely. They completely are. And you can tell from this series in particular that certain things have been set up away that they didn't seem as obvious in different seasons. So this past week, for example, with Casa Moore and... You know, the boys were split and they went off onto one villa and the girls were stayed in the other and 12 new contestants came in. We saw that with the postcard that I wrote about in that article for her.ie, we saw in the postcard that they made certain people look to be way worse than they were, whereas other people were causing complete havoc in the other villa and it made them look like saints. So... The poor girls were all, you know, sleeping out on different beds. They wouldn't even talk to the new boys. They wouldn't want to get to know them. Whereas the boys were having the time of their life meeting all these new girls. And except for one, two guys, sorry, Teddy and Jake were the only two that really stayed loyal. But it made out that Teddy had been going off with every girl possible and poor Faye was left utterly heartbroken and built up a wall immediately and that is so detrimental to her mental health. She has spoken out consistently on the show that she has a wall built up, that she's been cheated before on before. She has dealt with a lot of crap from guys. So for her to for the producers to purposely put a photo where it made Teddy look like he had done that as well, it would just completely mess with her. Um Am I so not am I too cynical like if I suggest that sure she's only playing her part, she was told what's gonna happen. I I would naturally agree with you on those kind of okay. things, but in this specific circumstance, I feel like they didn't. Um, and I'm, it's not just my opinion. This one is a lot of people on Twitter and Instagram and all those social media apps were saying the same. Whereas the girls were definitely not told here to yeah. spin the drama and to really build up their emotions, um, which is almost worse if they didn't know. Whereas the guys maybe did know, mm. and they really. It, it was purely to get a reaction and to get them really upset and agitated. And that's not on if you're going to preach about mental health and that hashtag be kind thing yeah. that's going on. Like some it's people come okay. out of this, and we, we think of the name of Maura Higgins in particular. So mm-hmm. Some people come out of this and they are celebrities and, and they Absolutely. have a massive following and they make a shed load of cash out of it. What happens to the rest of them? That's the thing. A lot of them will not have anything to come back to they a lot of them may go into the show and are going in for the wrong reasons are going in for the 50 grand cash prize at the end are going in for those brand deals at the end and coming out like Maura Higgins or Molly Mayhague who came second in that season as well who have you know deals a pretty little thing for millions of euro and all these crazy crazy deals and the people who don't do as well don't get any of that and they might have you know really small localized brand deals but nothing too crazy and their lives just go back to normal but they've had this massive experience and they don't know how to deal with settling back into that normality and that can be just as detrimental to their mental health now i i know you're a fan and i know you watch it and i know like Mm -hmm. you said at the start it's it's the talking point in the office but at the same time ellen you're watching it knowing and feeling these things but as long as people keep watching this, 
they will keep making it. So, so how do we either change it and and make it less damaging? Well, how do yeah, we do exa- that? Exactly, there is always going to be people like me. I'm I'm just as guilty as of it. Um, I didn't say that to be critical of you, by the way. I didn't. No, not at all. I no, I completely agree with you. Um, it is something we're all hooked on. It we all still consistently watch it year after year, knowing how bad it is and. We all sit there watching it, go on our phones and tweet how bad it is and how detrimental. And exactly what I've written, you know, for work, I'm doing the exact same thing everyone else is, saying how bad it is. But in reality, we're still just as bad watching it and giving into it. So the only way to really combat all of this is if the producers listen to what the fans are saying and what the viewers are saying and listening to how they can implement real change rather than just talk the talk. They need to actually walk the walk. I see Ofcom have been pretty much inundated over the weekend with complaints. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Will they take any note? What, what powers do Ofcom have in this situation, I wonder? They are complete. They, as from my understanding of it anyway, they are in control of it. So they are the people who produce the show and put that on air and control what goes on within the show. So when people complain, naturally, the comments that they say should naturally go to. Ofcom and they take it on board but it doesn't seem like any type of co- complaints they've been given mm-hmm. like Ofcom, are, Ofcom are regulators uh, so mm-hmm. do they have any powers to turn around to the producers and say Les cop on? Absolutely. Absolutely and it just seems that they aren't. Um, I, mind you I don't work there, I don't know the ins and outs of it, I don't know if they are in discussion of this, they easily could be but from what we're seeing every night on the show and from the complaints that people are actually screenshotting and posting on Twitter, it doesn't seem to correlate and it doesn't seem to be given a second thought. You must feel a bit, how would I put it, uh, conflicted watching it now at this oh, yeah. stage. Absolutely. You kind of feel bad watching it almost. You feel bad. You're you're seeing these people's lives unfold on live television. Well, sorry, not live. But you're seeing these people live out their lives, not knowing what people are even saying in the outside world about them. And even the likes of Toby at the at the moment and, and Tyler, who are getting a terrible rap on Twitter, and Liam, of course, as well. People are getting a really bad name. But for all we know, the producers are making it look that way. And they're making them look out to be worse people than they are for the sake of television. Because everyone else in the villa seems to get on really, really well with these guys. And they're full of support and they're, mm. you know, la- you can hear even in specific conversations at the moment, you can hear a lot of people laughing their heads off in the background. And it seems like a lot of fun in there. So you have to kind of take a step back sometimes and think, are the producers making us think this way and wanting us to feel a certain way about certain characters? Are you being played? Absolutely. And I think we, we really do have to kind of look at it more critically, which is, strange to think when when you think of the, what the show is but there is kind of a, crit- a critical look at it to go well are we made are we, we being made think a certain way here about certain people which is also so unfair to mm-hmm. them and i even saw toby for example i saw a tiktok his sister put up and she was you know saying oh toby what are you doing how can you treat people like that but in the comments people were going oh my god it's her sister it's, it's a sister but she was still supporting her brother like she knows her brother is a completely different character than what they're showing on the screen. But it was interesting to see even she was going, oh, he looks so bad on the telly. 
it's it's a very very strange phenomenon the fact that it keeps lasting so long but you'll continue to watch it Ellen do you, who do you think is going to win it I might as well ask you I don't know at the moment I'm always in between different people to win I would love to see Faye and Teddy win just after their little reunion the um, the other night but um, who knows at this point it could be two random people that come into the villa in the next few weeks it's really it is jumping so much you couldn't tell alright ok listen good talking to you Ellen Fitzpatrick from her.ie and look Love Island it is what it is it is what it is people absolutely live watch they live for it at night I can't could run screaming from the room but people but is it dangerous and even a fan, a confirmed fan, like Ellen, uh, thinks it actually is bordering on dangerous at this stage. Uh, Mag says, spot on, sheer curiosity had me try to watch an episode a few years back. I got through five minutes before switching it off. I'd rather stick needles in my eyes. Uh, now, Kevin makes this point. Same people who complained about Jeremy Coyle are giving it the poor contestant lark now. They're the day, same thing. It's a money spinner for TV and that says more about society today that an awful lot of people are comfortable admitting that they watch this so much. And Tanetta, I'd rather wash my eyes out with acid than watch Love Island. People are adding to the grief they're getting all over social media. It should be scrapped before more people die unnecessarily. And certainly it doesn't have a good CV in terms of three people dead who were directly connected to the show. Do you remember that's how Jeremy Kyle eventually got canned? The guy died who'd been connected to the show. Do you have to wonder how long Love Island will last under those circumstances? Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks 96 FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Corks 96 FM. Up in just a sec. Could you be too passive for your own good? And did you maybe learn that passivity in childhood? And how do you go about changing it? That's in just a sec. But I want to mention someone very special to us all. Very special, I know, to listeners to 96FM. And if you're not on social media, you won't have heard this over the weekend or might not have seen it over the weekend. But an announcement from our much-loved now, darling, Elmarie Maw on her social media in the last couple of days. As you know, and she spoke to me on the programme about it, and she spoke to me during Radiothon about it, she had a second bout with ovarian cancer. And she's only gone and kicked its arse again. Good on you, Elle. We're thrilled for you, girl. We are beyond thrilled for you. Uh, she got the uh, good news from her oncologist in the last couple of days that it's gone. And good on you. She's done a Katie Taylor on it. She's kicked its arse again. And that's great news. And best to Elmarie and best to Connor. And what she's most thrilled about is being able to go back into school and teach in September. And she's so looking forward to that. We wish her well with it. 1850-715-996. So what is passivity? If you're passive, what does it mean? What does it mean... What are passive behaviours and, and when do we learn them? And, and maybe they could, we could, we need to learn to get rid of them because they're not good for us. Sheila O'Malley, good morning, Sheila. Good morning, PJ. What is passivity? Yeah, well, I think we all know that, you know, let's say you might be asked to do something 
and you struggle to say no or you may struggle to speak up in in a situation, maybe in work or at a meeting, that type of thing. Um, it's very much around just, um, yeah, uh, you know, there are times we need to champion ourselves and we need to be able to say, look, thanks for thinking of me, but unfortunately I can't do that. So somebody who's passive, you know, and it often goes with other behaviours like people-pleasing, approval-seeking, goody-goody, all of that. So they can be maybe a bit more timid, a bit more shy. But it's essentially that, you know, I think you picked up an article that was on my website, uh, shilomali.ie, but it's around just um, that we weren't born passive, I suppose, PJ, that it's a behaviour that we adopted because at some point maybe we picked up that it wasn't maybe safe to speak up. Uh, so it's not a behavior, it's a, it's a behavior that we develop to keep us safe. Mm. And although we may have needed in those early years, uh, as an adult, you know, it impacts us. It impacts on us. I do mm. workplace webinars and constantly people will say, I'm overwhelmed, Sheila, I'm stressed, I'm, I'm exhausted, I'm worn out. And yet, you know, th- that's how you feel. But so what do you need? Well, you probably need to speak up. You probably need to take more responsibility and control of your life. But somebody who's passive, it wasn't safe way back when. So sometimes, you know, they can be maybe a little bit unaware of it. Mm. But that it's critical to say if my passivity is resulting in me being there for everybody, well, then I'm probably never there for myself, yes. you know. Yes. Yeah, and, all and, the time and, in the and, world for everybody else but no time exactly. for you D- does it go along with a kind of an inherent part of the human condition Sheila, we, we, we like to be liked uh, absolutely of course it is, I even find it myself sometimes when I've enough, uh, you know, talks booked in or whatever an inquiry will come in that somebody wants to book me for another talk and I've recognised it in myself and become aware of it I find it hard to say no you know, so what I think can be helpful is, I'm a very practical person, PJ, is to find what what is a, a practical strategy for dealing with that, uh, to recognize, you know, well, how do I feel? I, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a bit overloaded here. I can't take any more on. So it's very much around in that moment to say, how do I feel? You know, gosh, I'm a bit maxed out or whatever. And what, what do you need? What would be helpful here? Well, if I find it, if I know I find it hard to say no, well, then maybe what I need to do is play for time. Maybe that it's, uh, you know, about to say, thank you very much. Can you leave that with me? And I'll look into it. Uh, thanks so much for thinking of me. Uh, I'll come back to you. So it's very much to say I'm suddenly now taking responsibility, controlling my life. I'm taking charge yeah. of my time. And that's one of the biggest things that comes up for people is that, you know, if I become aware of it, I recognize that I need to protect my time. You know, time mm. and time again, people have said to me, it's like their diary is open and everybody sticks anything oh, they want yeah. into it. And you end up that you have no time. And, yeah. and but when I say, well, how, is, how are you when you have no time? They're going to say, well, I'm cranky, irritable, impatient, or my back goes or whatever. And, you know, the body says no to what you needed to say no to and you didn't and your body will do it for mm. you. So, and that would, you know, for everybody uh, show up differently. So for me, my back can go when I've taken too much on my back when I'm a bit overwhelmed. I mean, it could be medical as well. But, you know, in essence, I suppose you end up 
that you've uh, suggested something that you really needed to say no to and you really haven't spoken up for yourself. Yeah. And I love that word, champion yourself. You know, and I often, when I'm giving talks, get people to stamp their foot and say, no, 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 no. Yeah. You know, to really say, you know, uh, and that, and maybe it's easy if you to go back on a text or an email or whatever with the, Thanks for thinking of me, yeah. but unfortunately, I have to. Uh, I won't be able to go. My missus know, works from home a lot, and, and she's on the phone a lot. And I overheard a conversation recently where she was on to a colleague, and she said quite firmly, "She said there is absolutely no way I'm going to get to do this for you today, tomorrow, yeah. possibly. But yeah. can we put it? Can we put it back for Wednesday or Thursday? And I'll definitely do it for you." Okay, and guess what that is? What's that? That's a boundary. A boundary is when you take an action for yourself. A boundary is when you recognize I'm at my limit and uh, a boundary is always about the degree to which you think well of yourself, that you value yourself enough to be able to say, if I do that, if I take more on, I'm abusing myself, I'm neglecting myself. And then then what impact does that have on me? Well, then I'm just going to be irritable and as I said, all the other things kick in, you know. Um, so it's very much... A boundary is where, you know, just because something is coming in, it's almost about giving yourself time to pause and say, actually, do you know what? Enough is enough. And we need to sometimes inform the other person to, and, and, and to put that boundary. And I remember many years ago, uh, I gave a, a course in a hospital and a lady kind of bounced in on week three or whatever and she said, oh my God, that was life changing what I heard last week. And it was that... She'd been working two hours extra every day and she'd heard something that really made a difference. And what it was was that let's say she needed to leave at three. She put out an email and said, files left by 12 will be dealt with same day. Files left after 12 won't be dealt with till the following day. And she said, you could have knocked me down with the feather. By 12 o'clock, the files were there. I dealt with them and I was able to leave at three o'clock where in the past, I was working two hours extra. And it's really to say, you know, can you see there that what was she doing, but valuing her time, valuing herself, mm. recognizing her limits, setting those limits. And, 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 you know, that is your responsibility. It's nobody else's responsibility. And what happens is when we don't do it, we have no me time. Uh, so, you know, it's very much whether it's a work situation or a personal situation, it's to say that actually time for you is as important that you can't be there for other people, actually, if you're not there for yourself. So, uh, you know, she talked about that she took a few bit of time for herself before she arrived home to see her kids. Well, you know, which one would you rather have? The one who's yes to everybody, but ultimately no to yourself, but comes in, you know, tired, cranky, irritable, or the person who actually had a boundary set the boundary, mm. communicate the boundary, you know, but from a place of asking how do I feel and what do I need and how I feel is stressed and what do I need and need to take back charge of my life to protect my time. I need to, and it's something you learn over time, you know, mm. it's it constantly prioritized, you know, uh, and when we don't do it, we get angry when we have no me time. And it really is somewhere in there is to say, you know, how kind are you to yourself? Yeah, and uh, and when we're not kind to ourselves, ultimately, you know, it has a knock-on impact, not just on you, but on everybody. Yeah. Is it a case of make rules, let those around you know what those rules are, and enforce them? That's that's really it. It it, it comes from a place of just say, you know, actually, it's almost. I think where it comes from, 
you know, and we don't have very much time, would be to say we nearly have to go back to when we were a child and to recognise that we struggled to speak up as a child. But as an adult, to say we have a choice. And it's in the moment to start becoming aware of I'm struggling to say no here. So play for time and step back and take a breath so you feel grounded or whatever. And and then assert yourself when you're holding your boundary. And people that have done that have come back and said to me, oh, my God, I feel so empowered. I left when I needed to leave and all that. And, you know, I bet there's people out there hearing this and saying, my God, that sounds so selfish. You know what? It's not. The most unselfish thing that we can do is to to be boundaried in our life, to know our limits and to stay within them. You know, to say, uh, I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed in terms of work and need to speak up, you know, with the boss. Uh, and, and that when we do that, everything is going to go better. So if we're not taking care of ourselves, we simply can't take care of anybody else. And taking care of ourselves is about being kind, kinder to ourselves and essentially almost loving to ourselves and you know that's the route to being our best selves or whatever so yeah and there was an old there was an old irish thing and i'm convinced it's an irish thing i don't know if it's international ah he loves himself well you know what there's nothing wrong with that yeah well you see it's when we don't love ourselves put it like this let's play it out the person who has no boundaries let's say around work and you know i i'm very aware of this because i would have done it myself you know, you take too much on, you get stressed, you get overloaded, you're tense, you're tight, you're burned out, you're exhausted, frazzled, you know. And then just from a place of feeling worn out, you're shut with somebody, um, you're cranky with them. And, and, and then what impact does it have on them? Well, then you're not the person they need you to be. Uh, and, and then maybe they can get defensive back with you or maybe become passive and sort of withdraw or whatever. But it's very much around that as those feelings build up, you know, I like to say that we end up that, you know, um, we need a substitute. So some of the time instead of, because I haven't spoken up and say what I need to say, I need a cigarette. I need a drink. You know, I need food. So it's that whole idea that when we bottle things up, we do it at our peril, mm. you know, and we have to keep, we have to find a way of keeping a lid on it. So I like to call it, we bottle and we blow, or we bottle it up and we hit the bottle or, you know, etc. But what we needed to do was express how we feel. So good question so in from a caller here. Yeah. Sheila, good question in briefly. To, to, what is it if, what if it is the family? We all talk about workmates and stuff like that. What is if it's family that are putting endless demands on you? It's very hard to say no to family. Yeah. So nobody does anything to you that you haven't already done to yourself. And as I say that, I'm remembering a client who came in to me and she said straight up as she walked in the room, well, I'm a doormat. Well, guess what? If you think you're a doormat, you're going to get walked on. It starts with you. It doesn't start with the other person. It's not their responsibility to um, set boundaries for you. It's your responsibility. So it's to say what, you know, to know your limits know, and, and then to communicate your limit to other people. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this is what I can do and this is what I can't do. You know, and it's about also valuing yourself enough to go out and buy in the help, whatever, you know, is possible or whatever. It's, it's very much around to, and, and, and often a person like this isn't good at asking for help mm. because they think, you know, they're seen for caring and minding people. And, and, but ultimately that comes from a place of very poor self-worth. 
you know, and that the better thing for them to do would be to balance caring for everybody in the family uh, with also caring for themselves. Because when you don't take care of yourself or when you overcare for others, you actually disempower them and you're keeping them almost dependent on you as opposed to showing trust and belief in other people and their ability to look after themselves. So it's really important in a family situation to know this is what I can do to communicate that out uh, and that if there's a further request, isn't actually possible, you know, to, to brainstorm solutions. But also, as I say, that person, let's say in a, in a home situation, how good are they? Because, I mean, I'm talking particularly at women here who have taken the brunt of COVID. You know, how good are they at allowing somebody else to make a meal or delegating or saying, this is what I can do, this is what I can't do, or saying, do you know what, I'm going to get a clean baby in for an hour a week and I might need the extra how good are we at actually you know valuing ourselves enough to uh, to ask for help seek support and yeah. accept the help offered invariably women uh, are particularly bad at this and it's that whole idea I remember my daughter said to me a few years back one of the best things you ever said to me mom was that if somebody says can, can I bring something let's say there's a meal or something like that you say yes and she said, that was one of the best things you ever said, because inevitably what you, you, you do is you do too much and then it costs you. And then ultimately we end up taking out on everybody else, as opposed to if somebody says, oh, can I bring you something? You say, oh, listen, if you'd like to, that would be that would be a great help to me. Thank you. And when we don't take it because we have we think so little of ourselves. That's what it is. You know, so it's all of these things are about building our own self-worth by saying, yes, you know, I deserve help and I deserve support and I'm going to start to get better at that. I'm just going to have an awareness of the importance of, you know, maybe informing people around me, this is how I'm feeling, uh, this is what I could use, a little bit of help here, making a request, you know, I'm asking for a bit of support, I'm asking for the help, etc. But in other words, this is not about other people, this is about you. It's mm. your life. Mm. And if you're struggling it means that I'm asking you a question and saying, how is that? And does it go back a long way to not being able to say no, to be a people pleaser, you know, an approval seeker, goody, goody, all of those things. And, and, uh, and that you're the kind of person that everybody says, oh, Mary's marvelous, you know, because she's there for everybody. And I would follow that sentence and say, and never there for herself. And she's never there for herself. I'm going to leave it there, Sheila. We could spend many, many more, uh, or many, much more time talking about it, but it's a fascinating subject. I'm sure people can find out more on your website, sheilaomalley.ie, sheilaomalley.ie. And thank you for today. There's food for thought there. If you're there for everybody else, are you there for yourself? The Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards. With localheroes.ie. Find trusted local plumbers, electricians, locksmiths and more with a 12-month guarantee backed by Gosh Energy. All right, another set of nominations in the Best of Cork Awards. Another shortlist. You have been nominating places and services that are the best in Cork. And we're finding out today who's made the shortlist. We're revealing them across the various shows. And then voting opens at 8 o'clock tonight at 96FM.ie. Go in, find your category and vote from there after 8 o'clock tonight. Our final group on the opinion line today. Best 
coffee. Very important. <laughs> and the nominees are in the top five shortlist Soma, Cork Coffee Roasters, Yum Cafe, Three Fools, and Bean and Leaf. Well, my favourite is in there anyway. Soma, Cork Coffee Roasters, Yum Cafe, Three Fools, and Bean and Leaf. Those are your shortlisted nominees for Best Coffee in the Best of Cork Awards 2021 with localheroes.ie. Find trusted local plumbers and electricians and locksmiths and more with a 12-month guarantee all backed by Board Gash Energy here on Cork's 96 FM. Remember, 8 o'clock tonight you can start voting at 96fm.ie Can we just talk the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.